This is the University of Georgia Griffin News, brought to you over WKU AM 1450, 102.3 FM, The Rock 88.9 FM, and stream live on WKURadio.com. This program is to update our listeners on the many and exciting things at the University of Georgia Griffin with Dr. Lou Honeycutt and his guests. The program is made possible by Frank and Carolyn Harris of Round Oak Resources Tree Farms and Murray and Company Realtors. And now today's program with Dr. Lou Honeycutt. Well, good morning, Griffin Spalding and the surrounding area. We are back again with another edition of the Griffin Campus News. As always, we're appreciative of our sponsors, Frank and Carolyn Harris, uh, for continuing to sponsor this program. We've got another great uh, show for you today. It is kind of the second week of our Center for Food Safety Weeks here, which has been great. But it's also with some additional, um, one's not as new as the other, but we got probably our newest faculty member with us and then one that hasn't been here too terribly long. So today we're going to be talking with Dr. Hank Denbacher, Assistant Professor, Center for Food Safety at the Griffin Campus, and brand new person, which you're going to tell us all about that in a minute, both y'all are, Dr. Govind Dev Kumar, Assistant Professor at the Center for Food Safety as well. So first off, welcome to everybody. And there's also a secret guest sitting here that may get pulled into the conversation. We'll I'll put see. a microphone on there. There you go. So there you go. It's hard. You know, we have to have, there's no passive participation here. But so welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you. We're glad to have you all here. What we do and the reason we do this is I want people to understand you all are just human. You're not, you're not super or sub human. You're just human. And so what I want to do at the first is get you all to tell us, and, and I'm literally serious when I say this, from birth till now, how did you get to the University of Georgia Griffin campus? Because both of you have great stories, and I think that's that's what we want people to understand. We have in Center for Food Safety certainly does a true international flair to everything that goes on on campus, and you guys represent um, part of that. So either one of you can start. Um, let's just talk about birth till till this day in October. How did you get here? Hi. So thank you. Namaste. So I'm from... India. Awesome. And uh, so from the southern city of India, it's called Chennai or Madras. It's a coastal city right next to Sri Lanka. Okay. And just the year that I was leaving to U.S. for grad school, well, that was the year we had the tsunami. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, okay. So, yeah, that was, it was interesting. It was the first big, uh, you know, our, our thing about the change in weather, how the ocean can kind of affect you know your daily life it was, sure it was very interesting and then were you still home when it hit or had you already left i was it was right before christmas okay and uh so we were we were at someone else's place and when we were driving back we kind of saw the ocean recede oh my gosh so and we did not have a clue of what was happening next day in the morning our chairs are floating oh wow <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so and and then we found out there was a tsunami so it was it was interesting but luckily uh our place was not as badly affected as you know Sri Lanka sure. oh my gosh, yeah. or other places, but you know you it was a that was the first time I'd actually been at a you know actually witnessed a catastrophic weather event. Sure, and uh, it was it was very yeah it, it definitely you could see its impact even even when it was at a lower scale you could see its impact and. Uh, Kind of, kind of let me know you did that. You don't want to mess with the weather, and you're oh, on the wrong side of it. Well, and then you move here, and Hurricane Michael hits. Yep. So maybe it's you. Yep. Wait, maybe maybe it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I bring it's in following better. you. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, so from India, and yes, so sir. how? So tell us your your trek to get to Griffin, America. 
So I so I so I was born in Calcutta. That's that's oh, cool. where Mother Teresa is from. Sure. Yeah, you know, but I'm not the angel. You're not but yeah, You're no, not I'm, not, I'm not as good. So I was born in Calcutta, and then I grew up in the southern city of India. It's called it's called Madras or Chennai now. It's one of the four big metropolitan okay. cities. And I always had uh, you know uh, relatives back in the U.S. I, ha- I have uncles and aunts who were in the U.S. and uh, so. So you know they would send me their Scientific Americans and oh sure yeah those magazines <laughs> and and so that's kind of how I got into science and and I was interested in microbiology from the beginning and uh, everybody most people who were better than me in academics got into engineering <laughs> and, and med school but I was since I was interested in biotechnology and kind of how um, the basic microbes kind of rule the world. Uh, I was I, w- I took up microbiology as my undergraduate studies, and then I did my master's in medical microbiology, which was very interesting. Uh, India is a good place to do your medical microbiology okay. in yes. because I that. <laughs> so a lot of the pathogens that are mostly fabled are in you could you could actually witness them in real life. Oh wow! So okay, okay. I've seen you know the the cholera, the sure. typhoid fever. So, so it gave me also a good historical perspective of how good sanitation was in the U.S. to eradicate such you know diseases. Oh, like that. sure. The U.S. was one of the U- U.S. and Europe. They were great at you know eradicating polio, the mosquitoes, malaria. So you know they actually took action to change biological uh, you know diseases or the scourge of biological diseases. So that was always. A big motivation for me to apply to the U.S. Okay, um, you know, and to further my education. I did work before that. Uh, I worked in an airline industry, and uh, and I would check the food that would go into the airline. Oh wow! Okay, so, so we can blame you for bad airline food. <laughs> yes, <is that>? and <laughs> actually, actually, yes. When you have a hundred people and just two toilets in an airplane, <laughs> <laughs> you, you you understand the importance of food. Absolutely. Food so so that that got me into food microbiology and food safety, and then uh, applied to Virginia Tech. I went over there, got my master's in food science because you, it's good to understand microbiology, but uh, you know, food as an environment or as a matrix is it's a whole different ball game. Sure. So, so I became a Hokie. It was there for five years. I got my master's and my PhD in food science and technology. Okay. And once I graduated, uh, I went to the University of Arizona to do my postdoc there. And Arizona was a great place to do your postdoc because I thought it was a desert. You didn't have a lot of agriculture. Sure, sure. But interestingly enough, Arizona is the venture capital for produce production in the United States. So when most other places are too cold to grow produce, Arizona's Yuma, the Yuma region of Arizona is just growing lettuce and cantaloupe. Oh, sure, sure. So, so that was, and so being in charge of, uh, you know, food safety and produce safety in that area trains you really well. And uh, so that was, that was a very good learning experience. So in Arizona, I was working with leafy greens. I kind of studied how leafy greens could get contaminated okay. by water uh, and also dust. So I did my PhD, actually, and looking at how dust could contaminate tomato blossoms. Really? Okay. okay. Yeah, because you, uh, so actually, they would send me to the farm to go collect samples from the farm. And one thing that was interesting was it was very dusty. And this was in Virginia Tech. Your, the eastern shore was very dusty. And you would every time there would be a dust storm, you would have uh, you know some samples of tomatoes being positive. Wow, so I started okay. studying the relationship between dust and foodborne contamination. And then Arizona was a great place. They, so they have these huge dust storms, and they call them haboobs. And that 
So when you have a dust storm in in the Phoenix area or or in Arizona, hey, can I can relate to this the Texas connection? Yeah. But you bet, go yes. ahead. Yes, sir. It's um, it's it's something I'd never seen. It's before. an all day event, and it's yeah. not fun. Yeah, it's like a tsunami of dust that's coming back, brought back old memories. Sure, but, but yeah, definitely uh, understood that again the the same the same concept that the environment can affect food safety was you know reinstalled in me. So after three years in Arizona, I moved to the University of Maryland in the Department of Plant Science and Landscape Architecture, and I did another postdoc there. And this time I was back to working with tomatoes, but okay. started looking uh, at it a little more closely. So I was looking at the cuticle of tomatoes, which is a shiny part on the surface of tomatoes. And I was looking at fatty acids on the cuticle and how that can affect microbial growth. Okay. So it's very interesting that uh, you know, the type of cultivar that you're using, the surface roughness of the produce that you're dealing with, the exudates that they produce. So they, they're they producing sugars and alcohols and fatty sure, acids sure. the whole time can influence microbial growth. So I've been I've been looking at that and so with that kind with you know, that experience in produce safety uh, in particular and also environmental uh, vehicles for foodborne contamination. I came over to the University of Georgia. The Griffin Campus Center of Food Safety. It's uh, you know it's it's a dream come true because sure. one of the first papers I did not know that tomatoes could have salmonella until I read Dr. Bushaw's paper. Oh, okay, many there moons ago, and that that just opened opened up my, a whole new you know perspective in me. And so it's very exciting to you know work here. And sure. be a part of that ecosystem that produced such great research. Well, and, and you're talking about Larry Bushaw, uh, who, who you're talking about, has been how many years? I mean, he's well over 40 years and, and still so respected in his field that it's yes. incredible right. to get to, and I agree with you, it's incredible to get to, to be the new person but get to hang out with Larry. Right. <laughs> right. It's, it's, very weird. It's, it's very weird and inspiring to, like, sit and have coffee with <laughs> someone who has an award named after him. Absolutely. So, no, I agree. Yeah. But so in, in the Center for Food Safety, you're around celebrities in the, in the field of food, in food safety, so... A- absolutely yeah, a great and place to be and we're so glad you're here and tell us when you started uh, i started a month ago. a month ago yeah, yeah so you're yeah. brand spanking new which yeah. is which is great well we hope you're here for many many more years to come so thank you very much so that's a great story and that's again exactly what we want to do with this so so hank's got a big shoes to fill now he's got to oh, yeah. make his but he's got a texas connection so i gotta tell you you know i'm a little partial a to, the, to the texas connection that. yeah but okay so hank let's move to you okay tell so us your from from birth till now from, how'd you get here birth till now so i was born in western australia in Armadale. oh i didn't even know that birth. that's cool yes. So I didn't live there very long. I had Dutch parents, and my mother got homesick, so we moved back to the Netherlands. Okay. And that's where I grew up till age 32. So I lived most of my life in the northern part of the Netherlands, Okay. like in a rural town, and I can still remember that when I was little, there were still farmers that used horses. Oh, wow, okay. They they held on to traditions and used horses to to plow their fields. Sure, to, to harvest their crops. I've been to the Netherlands, and the coolest thing to me was when the tour bus stopped and they walked us out on a field, and it felt weird to me anyway, and then they jumped, oh, and it was yes. polderland, and so the whole thing undulated undulated uh, through there because it was built over water. That was the most incredible. Then I got scared. You know, dark waters, I'm a little afraid of that. Uh-huh. So I was just assuming we're all going to fall through. It was incredible to see the agriculture in, in the Netherlands. So. Oh, yeah. They, I think they have 
I'm sure that they have one of the most efficient oh, gosh. agricultural systems. I think so ever. too. And they have floating fields. My God, that uh, was just that was incredible. Uh, <laughs> not all fields are floating. Not all, but this one was. But, but literally, she jumped up and down, and yes. it really did yeah, undulate. I mean, it yeah. was it was cool. Yeah. Anyway, so, sorry to mean to interrupt. <laughs> um, so, I initially studied psychology for a couple. Seriously, of years. man, yes. you are just a man of many talents. This but, is great. I was always in biology. Like at age eight, I started bird watching. Okay. Went to uh, studying plants like botany. Then I was into bat research. Like if you go to the Netherlands and you you open a book about bat research, you will see my name. Very cool. At eight, like 14 or something, I was doing those things. See, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so I had people when I studied psychology and I told them, like, I'm switching to biology that told me that all the way through my period of studying psychology, they thought I said biology. Okay. They just misunderstood me because it was such a given that I would study biology. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so I studied biology for, uh, I did my master's in uh, systematic biology evolutionary biology wow finished that up in four years and then i think my this all happened at leiden university so and where is that that's in the western part of the netherlands it's like the oldest university like it was founded in the 15th century wow okay that's awesome like because they 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 battled the spanish and what is it the, the prince of orange decided that they would have a university because they showed so much courage. Hey, that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which was really cool. And so after I finished my master's, I did my PhD actually in mycology, so the study of mushrooms. And this was real mushrooms, like the, the things, not the, the, the stuff that grows on your bread, but mushrooms sure. in the field. So for my PhD, I had to travel through... Scandinavia, Scotland, I went to Canada, California. I spent a month in a lab in Berkeley. Oh, wow. To, to get some of that my... That explains a lot about you now. Yes. Molecular, <laughs> <laughs> molecular work started. So. Sure. And while I was at Berkeley, I met um, a postdoctoral researcher there, and she was doing it really, really great research on population genetics of... of Fungi that grow together with a lot of crops. Actually, we wouldn't have like things like corn or tomatoes or all those crops without those fungi. Okay. So really important research. And by the time I was finishing up my PhD in the Netherlands, I saw that she went moved to Cornell University to start her own lab and was looking for a postdoc. Okay. So. I applied to her, and she immediately contacted me because apparently I made a good impression. Apparently, yeah, in, that's in, great. In Berkeley. And so that's how I ended up in 2005 at Cornell, at Cornell. University. Very cool. So and this, I think the second day I was at Cornell University, I met Megan, who's also in the studio with us. She's our secret guest. Uh-huh, our secret guest. <laughs> So, from Cornell, I mean, we're still not into food safety. Exactly, tell. but that's I mean, why it's a great this, story. Uh, this is completely different. So, at Cornell, so I spent about, I think, two years 
with the, the Berkeley researcher and money ran out so I had to search it for happens. a different job and I was looking for jobs that were kind of in, in the, the, the field of genetics genomics because that was my passion next to, to being a biologist and I came across this researcher, Martin Wheatman, who's a pretty big name in the field, who was looking for somebody to, to pick up his population genetic research in Listeria, Salmonella, and other foodborne pathogens. So I applied, and he immediately offered me a postdoc. And for the longest time, I stayed in his, his lab. So and where was he? He was also at, Cor at Cornell. At Cornell. Okay. More or less, like it was like a five-minute walk from the, my old lab. Well, there so, you go. <laughs> That's I mean, everything, it's a pretty compact campus, if you think about it. And so I worked with him. The interesting thing there was that, that around that time, that was about the time that, that um, whole genome sequencing came up sure. as technology. So I was, I, he was very good at getting money and getting new research into his lab. So I was one of the first people to be able to use whole genome sequencing for foodborne pathogens. Oh, wow. That's very cool. And show how that could be used in public health and all those things. And right now, that has taken off like CDC, FDA. Oh, absolutely. That's what they're doing. But one of my papers is one of the, the seminal papers that demonstrate. Yeah, that's like, cool. See, that's yeah. awesome. That's, that's incredible. So... I was lucky enough to, f to, to that my start in food safety coincided with the, st the start, the emergence of that technology. So I could grow along with that technology. Um, I'm currently a professor in bioinformatics. So exactly. And I want you, in a minute, I want you to tell everybody what that is because that's oh, yeah. a scary word to most, uh -huh. a lot of people. <laughs> Absolutely. So after... A while, so I started there as a postdoc, and I worked with him later on as a research associate. Of course, you want to set up your own shop. Well, so sure. <laughs> I applied to many, many jobs, and I ended up at Texas Tech you University. Did. You so did. At the, the Department of Animal and Food Sciences. So I spent two and a half years there. It was very interesting to, to uh, experience life in West Texas, especially <laughs> life in, in Lubbock, Texas. Had you been around, Govan was talking about the dust storms, have you, had you been around dust like you saw in Lubbock? Never. For people that don't know, it's on the yeah. plains of Texas, and the wind blows. If it's not blowing 50 miles an hour, you don't even hear about it. But if it's blowing 70 miles an hour, you might hear about it. But these big rolling dust storms, especially at Lubbock, mm -hmm. just cover the city. And just you get you know two inches of dirt in your house yes. in a, in a I, I still have dirt in some of my <laughs> tools. And I think it, every time I open the grill, I still see some red dirt. Could you bottle some of that up for me just so I have some Texas soil in my I can do that. that Absolutely. Great. I'll do that for you. Yeah. But so you got, you got to Texas Tech. Got to Texas great. Tech. And then, I mean... Throughout my career in food safety, because I'm one of these bioinformatics guys, I got a lot of collaborators, and one of my collaborators was Xiang Yu Deng. So Absolutely, another um, professor, assistant professor at, at the Center for Food Safety. So he texted me like 
uh, are you interested in a job here? So <laughs> I said, told them, like, I have to think about it. And sure. Then that job opened up, so I applied. And that's how I got here. Got to meet you. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what's funny yeah. about that is when, when the decision was made, and so since now I know you, I would say something different. But I'm like, is that the guy from Texas? <laughs> <laughs> so I was glad to hear uh, that. But yes. That you had the Texas yeah. connection, but yeah. Well, cool. So, and that was when? When did you start? You're about a year into this, right? April 1st, 2000. Oh, yes, you're a year and a half. That's right. Because yes. I met uh-huh. you actually again at the Center for Food Safety meetings in, in Atlanta that, yep. that year. Yeah. And yep. you weren't even quite here yet. Here yet. You were yet. about to be. Yes. So that's cool. So a year and a year and a half, or a year and so in, and, and a month in. Yep. So that's pr- pretty great. We're we, we're going to go about five more minutes, and we'll take a, a bottom of the hour break. But let's talk first off. I want you to describe bioinformatics because it's that's kind of like GMO mm-hmm. or anything else. People hear these words and they shy away from them. And there's nothing scary about it. But tell everybody what bioinformatics is. Bioinformatics is the field of using computer science, computers to study life bio what it refers to so what it comes down to these these days is that bioinformatics is the science that develops algorithms and ways to study life like genetics can be everything from genetics proteins statistics to to um, solve biological problems and see, that's great. Yeah. And, and just in what you said there, there was not as other than statistics, there was no scary word mm-hmm. for me at all. That, <laughs> no. When I was in college, we called it sadistics because I yes. was not good at statistics. But uh, math is not my forte. But but it's uh, incredible. A lot of people have heard probably big data and things mm-hmm. like that. And I'll guarantee the bandwidth you use to send some of your data around. It, you use big data. But, uh, yeah. but again, it's not scary. It's nope. just computers take time, effort, energy, space, all those kinds of things. Yeah. But what y'all are doing is, is incredible. Um, so let's talk, let's kind of introduce a little bit about what, and, and going for you especially, because what is your field of study here? What have you started? I know you're just a month in, yep. but what is your planned field of study or what are you going to be doing? Well, Georgia is an amazing agricultural Absolutely. state. Absolutely. And uh, so uh, my main focus is produce safety and uh, also the environmental prevalence of foodborne pathogens. That's my main area. Um, I hope to start working with a lot of the packing houses with a lot of the growers here. Okay. In in developing antimicrobials, uh, surveillance, and uh, you know basically interventions and mitigation to help them make their produce safe and also make it more profitable, make it a value-added product. And uh, my focus, my the way I w- work with antimicrobials is I try to make see develop antimicrobials that are non-toxic. Okay. Uh, you know, leave a positive environmental footprint and uh, ba- basically not affect the quality of produce. You want to get the microbe, but you don't want to, you know, affect sure. the produce. So. No, that's incredible. And, that, and I think that's a great point. To the, the Center for Food Safety isn't often associated with agriculture, but in the public mm-hmm. eye. Yes. But I'm here to, and y'all know this, and I know this, oh, yeah. it is 100% associated with agriculture and everything that, that is happening in the state of Georgia and around. Going to y'all's annual meeting, is the most incredible event and the scariest event I do every year because the coolest thing to me, and y'all have a big part of this, is just like you said with the packing houses, if an outbreak of E. coli or something comes out, it can be traced back now. When I went to one of them, it was the flower outbreak, and they traced it to one machine in one mill back in the Midwest somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's incredible to me that there's that much uh, specificity to be able to do that. But it's also hanging around y'all is really scary because 
because that to me it's not scary in this instance if y'all aren't eating something i'm not going to eat it that's that's the way i look <laughs> at it but the the science behind what y'all do is just incredible and i think that's what maybe scares people a lot of times it seems i was told when i first got here that the cd if the cdc if something happened to atlanta the cdc took over this campus and moved to griffin you know well, i thought how cool is that but it's not true we know that i know that now but it's just the rumor that the cdc was gonna when the zombie apocalypse happened we were gonna be the cdc we don't have to be y'all work hand in hand with them daily which Absolutely. is incredible um, I tell you what, Tony, can we go ahead and do the bottom of the hour break, and then we'll come back and delve more into to what these guys are doing. You're listening to the University of Georgia Griffin Campus News on AM 1450 WKEU in Griffin, Georgia. Also heard on 102.3 FM and 88.9 FM, The Rock, Georgia Public Radio at its finest. We're also streaming worldwide on the web at WKEURadio.com and available wherever you go, courtesy the free WKEU app, now available for all Android and Apple devices. This morning's program will continue after this. Frank and Carolyn Harris of Round Oak Resources Tree Farm and Murray and Company Realty. Proud supporters of the University of Georgia Griffin Campus and proud to bring you this week's edition of the University of Georgia Griffin Campus News. As the UGA Griffin Campus grows with the great educational opportunities for our children, Round Oak Resources Tree Farm is growing our future with trees to support and assist our environment. Frank and Carolyn Harris of Round Oak Resources Tree Farm and Murray and Company Realtors are proud supporters of the UGA Griffin Campus and area youth activities in Griffin and Spalding County. We were having a great deal of fun. We were having fun during the break, too. But we got some great guests. We got a secret guest, which she thinks she's going to remain secret, but she's not. But we have a secret guest, too. But we also have Dr. Hank Dimbacher, assistant professor in the Center for Food Safety, and Dr. Govan Kumar, who is also an assistant professor in the Center for Food Safety. And we've been talking about how y'all got here, which was great and good stories in it. But we also were talking about, um, in talking about your research, talking about the food supply. And, Govan, you brought up a really good point in the break. So let's talk about the positive relationship between the Center for Food Safety and agriculture in general. Right. So, you know, when, so one of the first things that I realized when I came to the U.S. is the U.S. has the gold standard for the safest food on the, on the planet. Right. Yeah, you can't you can't match how safe the produce is in the U.S. and the steps that the growers, uh, the packing houses, uh, the distributors take to make their produce safe. 
And uh, we as microbiologists, you know, more than finding out where the bacteria is, actually learn a lot from these processes because, you know, this is the only place in the world where you'll find triple wash spinach. Sure. And, <laughs> and you know, this is, and it's weird because uh, you, you can imagine how many people make their morning smoothie with, uh, with just frozen produce or fresh produce and none of them ever report of an outbreak. Sure. And that that itself is that itself is um, shows you how safe the produce is because you're you're putting in raw produce, raw vegetables that you bought from the store, picked off the ground, and you put it with some whey protein, which is great for bacteria to grow, and very few outbreaks. Sure. So so we actually work. So a lot of my research is learning how they wash produce and trying to see how we can make that better. Like. You can you can monitor the amount of chlorine, or we can make alternate sanitizers to chlorine, and uh, that's some kind of something I've been working on. In India, we use a lot of spices. Indian food has a lot of spices. Sure, I love Indian food because of that. I love the spices. Thank you. I'm I'm a good. I, I'll say I, I'm a good representative of the food of India. I love that. It's you know like when sometimes they'll when you're at these food and nutrition uh, talks and they'll tell you. Oh, you know, we we have there. You know, there's there's a food shortage in India, and then the person looks at me. They're they're, they're you know, I'm, I I don't help them with their point, so they kind of look away from me. So I, I love my food, <laughs> and, being, and being in Georgia, where where they give you extras to take home, it's it's a it's a dream come true. I'm so glad I got oh, it. Lordy, that, that this is exactly why I want y'all on this show <laughs> because y'all are so human and people don't get that sometimes. That's a, that is a hilarious story. <laughs> so so you know with the food the food safety the effort that they put into food safety is great. And so I've I've been looking at oils that spices produce and see how you can put that in wash waters when they're okay. washing produce. So and actually improve the efficacy of washing. So instead of using chlorine or hydrogen peroxide. You could use some uh, the oil from cinnamon, which is cinnamaldehyde. Okay. You could use oregano oil. The main uh, component in that is carvacrol, and we we actually mix them with uh, with its saponins, so which are soaps from plants to make these emulsions. Okay. We use that to wash produce. And what the great thing about it is, you could you know you can actually um, reuse the water sure. many times to wash produce. It can actually be done at home. So okay. with the you know with the Center for Food Safety, there's so much they give you they give you a leeway for innovation. The University of Georgia is known for its innovation, so this is a a great place to be innovative and actually put in you you know use develop new antimicrobials and actually improve on the food safety efforts of the industry. Oh, that's incredible! And then to add to that, what you're talking about is basically a green product yes. that actually supports agriculture because you have to buy the product from right. somewhere. Uh-huh. To do. So I think that's incredible. Yep. So that's a really good point. I'm so glad you brought it up because we don't want anybody to think there's the, the CFS police going out to try to... No, it's, it's to not. learn and help. And, right. and when you consider the sheer volume of produce and other products in this country yeah. <clears throat> that are produced every day and, and the fact that there aren't very many outbreaks of anything... That truly is incredible in the, the grand scheme of things. So, so I really appreciate you, you bringing that up. Okay, Hank, I want to talk about a, a hobby real quick, and then we, okay. then we really will talk about center food safety. I promise. Uh-huh. Um, when I first safety aspect, too. it, it yeah, is. Absolutely. I agree. It's incredible. Yeah. When when you when when you interviewed and I got to meet with you and talk, I, this came up even in that. I don't really know mm-hmm. how it did, but 
but you are a I don't know if you're a master brewer, but you are a brewer of things um, that are an adult beverage in nature. Uh-huh. But I want to I want to segue first by by giving the when I recently asked you had you started brewing beer again. You, you mentioned that you were working with kombucha, and I just want to give you all my kombucha experience, and then we'll move forward. Mm-hmm. But when I first got here, I was invited down to the Food Pick, Food Product Innovation Commercialization Center, to meet Dr. Keeley and to, to have a tour. And so we did, and when we got to the end, they had incredible products laid out. They had a peach nectar and chocolate, and then this stuff that I'd never heard of called kombucha. So it was on the other, and I know there are people worldwide love kombucha. I get that, but I had never tasted it. Mm-hmm. So it's I went to it first, which I'm so glad now that it wasn't the last thing I tasted. But and instead, I didn't know what it was, so I just took a big old swig, and I want to tell you the experience that I had. I liken it kind of to raw sewage and dirty sweat socks, uh-huh. and, but I'm told that it's good for you. So I'm pretty sure the sip I took, I'm good till about 3,022. So I'm proud of that aspect of it. Now, then they showed me, they went further. Now I got to drink peach nectar after that and it, it, everything okay, went great. But then they opened the, the, what I would call the icebox, but the refrigerator mm-hmm. to show me where the kombucha came from. I, I was a little surprised, but I understand mm-hmm. it's a great product that people around the world Absolutely. drink. So and very healthy. I get mm-hmm. all that. I have not had any since, and don't intend to. But the other thing you brew, I probably will. But so tell us about your hobby. So one of my hobbies is brewing beer. Mm, there so, you go. I mean, I I like beer. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Yes, <laughs> it's it's just a great hobby. If you're you're in in food science if you're in food safety i mean all everything fermentation just just is a great aspect like there's a lot of science that goes into absolutely to, to good brewing so you're you're from um, developing your beer like what flavor profile you want to go for for one thing thing that i wasn't aware of before i really started uh, brewing was the number of different strains of yeast there are. Okay. And how that influences the, the taste of the beer. So a, a good example is like Guinness. Like part of Guinness, like the dark color, of course, comes from um, uh, from dark roasted mold. Okay. Um, the, the, the smoothness comes from like uh, flaked oats that okay. are added to the thing. But a large part of the typical flavor of Guinness comes actually from the yeast strain they are using that, and they have been using for a very, very long sure. time. And uh, so that's that's one of the things I learned. I mean, um, what else? I mean, there's an interesting statistic story about one of everybody that has learned about st- statistics knows the student test. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Actually, a student was like a, a pseudonym for um, a statistician of the Guinness Brewery who published a lot of sure, statistical sure. tests. Because one of the, like I said, a lot of science goes into brewing, also into home brewing if you do it well. Sure. And so to optimize like the, uh, their, their brewing efficiency, Guinness already in a f- at a very very uh, early stage, like in the beginning of the 20th century, hired statisticians to work on their process. Very cool. Yeah. 
And obviously it's been mm-hmm. around a long time. It's going to be around a long oh, time. Oh, yes, but. absolutely. So uh, brewing is a great deal of fun. But also, if you really are seriously about it, I mean, if you really want to go from malt in the morning to drinkable beer within two weeks or a month, depending on the type of beer you brew, a lot of time goes into it. So well, I think that's yeah. great. I mean, it's a uh-huh. great, great hobby to have, and, oh, and, and related to yeah. to the work too. But let's talk kombucha, just because oh, yeah. because let's you need to, get, you need to give the good part of kombucha. Because uh-huh. I gave a funny story that was it was my first experience with it. I'm sure it's incredible, but but what kind of talk about that process? I know there are flavored kombuchas, and, and this uh-huh. one didn't happen to be that I that took a, a no. So the interesting thing about kombucha, it's all the the. the Rage right now, everybody. Sure, you can find it. Like you can find many kombucha. It's everywhere. All flavors. All it's like crazy. I knew kombucha from. I must have been twelve years old. So oh, that's wow. a long okay. time ago. That a couple of people that were really into fermented foods gave us one of those scoby, so those almost jellyfish-like <laughs> things <laughs> that you add to like a mixture of actually a typical southern staple like. Sweet tea. Okay. That's the main thing. That's what Scobies do best on. And you add that that jellyfish to the tea and you let it ferment for about a week, two weeks, especially if you have warmer temperatures. It can take a week. And you get, if you do it well, you get a nice, almost apple cider-like drink. Okay. If you let it go, it changes into (laughs) vinegar. Okay. The problem also is is that that de- jellyfish is not a jellyfish. It's not a single organism. It's a, a combination of uh, vinegar producing bacteria that produce like cellulose. That's okay. What the jellyfish is with yeasts and all kinds of stuff. So if you get a yeast in that community of organisms that puts off sweaty sock flavor which okay. is very very likely <laughs> i mean there are a lot of yeasts in the the brewing industry that are known to to infect batches and really cause some nasty flavors okay that can happen to your kombucha so okay well so that yeah. i may get some bad kombucha uh-huh. that's what you're saying and i mean i just like kombucha as a drink okay uh as a f- microbiologist and food scientist i'm not completely convinced about the health benefits okay but but part of this placebo effect anyway if you drink oh, yeah, it and you oh, think yeah. it's better for you it's probably gonna Absolutely. be better for you so yeah and i'm telling you i'm healthy till the next millennium oh, so yeah. I, oh my yeah, one yeah. drink oh, yeah so i'm good i, I can see like kombucha can you, i just glow it's, now it's, it's, it's a kombucha glow yes. from my one sip that, uh-huh. that i probably will not repeat like, but Every every kombucha drinkers recognizes you. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. I'm one of the crowd with that. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, good. No, I'm glad you gave the good side of kombucha because yes. I know there's a, a large following out there. I don't want anybody oh, to think that it's that they yeah. shouldn't be doing it because I know it's a, a good for you. But okay, let's talk Center for Food Safety since since we probably ought to since that's what we're doing. We have been a little bit, but um, tell either one of y'all as a new person, especially and then a kind of new person, mm-hmm. the Center for Food Safety on the Griffin campus is an incredibly unique group of people and a, and a unique entity for us and just kind of talk about the significance of it and i know it's what attracted both of you here but but i think people i think they have a misconception of that it's it's secret you know area 52 because area 51 is in nevada science that no one can hear about talk about the center for food safety and what it does for the nation but but certainly for the griffin campus and beyond but 
Neither one of y'all. Just you want to start? Or? Sure, yeah. I'll I'll tell you because uh, as as a person who learned quite a bit about the Center of Food Safety and um, was inspired to apply here for a position. Um, you know, I, I knew about the Center for Food Safety when I was back in India. Okay. So, That's great. So internationally, it's not only in the U.S., but uh, the researchers of the Center for Food Safety uh, are, are well-renowned. Um, in fact, uh, Dr. Doyle, who was Absolutely. initially, uh, you know, started this, um, that was the first food microbiology textbook that I ever read. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. So he, like, so... You know, you've probably influenced a lot of people globally, but in the United States, Center for Food Safety, you know, they, they have great researchers, Dr. Erickson, uh, Dr. Oh, Dusha, and then also our current head, Dr. Diaz, uh, you know, world-renowned researchers. So it's it's great. And then uh, you have super innovative pioneers, Dr. Be- Dr. Bakker, and then you have Dr. Zhang Yudeng, who are doing uh, work which most most people don't want to handle because it's very complicated. Sure, sure. Right, and uh, they're they're working on issues in food safety. They're they're working the riddles that micro you know microbes actually throw at us, and and looking at it with a lot of different perspectives. You have you have one person who's looking at the DNA, the protein expression, and then you have other people who are trying to knock out genes to see what the function is, and then you have people who are actually making antimicrobials, better detection media, and then working with industry to make safer foods. So so on a whole, it on a fundamental science basis, the Center for Food Safety, you know, has pioneering research. Um, when it, on an application basis, there's a lot of innovation. Mm-hmm. So in fact, um, as just as soon as I came in, I, there's, a, there's another new faculty, Kevin, Yes. So, so Kevin and I, I was telling him that I was, you know, working with these fatty acids from tomatoes, and certain fatty acids have antimicrobial properties. So, as soon as I was telling him about this, Kevin said, "So, can you make a microemulsion of it?" So, we made a microemulsion look like milk. We put it through a spray dryer, made a made. We have a powder now, and the powder works as a really good antimicrobial. Oh, wow! And this happened within like three days of me showing up. (laughs) <laughs> and now I have powders to play with that might sure. be, you know, uh, the next the next big thing with antimicrobials. So so that's the Center for Food Safety in a nutshell mm-hmm. for you. No, it's great. And, yeah. and what you said, nothing you said was top secret, scary secret, black ops kind of stuff. It was yeah. It's just very applied yeah. and very critical and needed information for the nation, the world, with when it concerns food. Right. So, and Kevin, who you mentioned is, and he, how long has Kevin been here? He's longer than you, right? Right. I think he's been here for a couple of months. A couple of months. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, long, you know, everybody's been here longer than you. Yeah. But Kevin's a food technologist or food technology area. So it's great the connections that are made between all the different different yes. groups. So I think that's incredible. Um, okay, so Hank, what can you've been here for a little longer? So what can it was yeah, a great that was a great explanation. That, absolutely. But what can yeah. you add anything to it or what? Uh, what what's important I think about the Center for Food Safety is that you're at an interface in many ways. Like you're at the interface, like like uh, Govin said, of applied and basic research. Exactly. Like. You're, even if you do basic research, I'm interested in bacterial population structures, all those things, DNA and more theoretical stuff. Sure. But it has direct implications for, for applied research. Like at the CDC, if I say I found this and that, that helps them to better diagnose illnesses or, or things like that. So we're at the interface of, of 
basic and applied research. We're at an interface of academia, industry, and government because we have our meetings, we have our collaborations with industry, with public health um, organizations, with FDA and CDC, and that's that's just a unique situation. Yeah, I think that's a great way to yes. explain it. It is a Absolutely. unique situation, and when you look at, there are other centers, we have other centers on campus, but this is such a great, unique partnership between industry, um, government, and a university that it's it's just incredible to me. And mm-hmm. and the again going back to y'all's annual meeting, it, it, the number, the people that are there from the diverse backgrounds across the country are incredible. It's you know it, it's rare that I kind of just sit in awe and listen, but that's one meeting where you go and it, it's just. It, and the best thing about it is they're all just like the rest of us. I mean, they're they're getting yep, up. They're the absolutely. Mike Doles of the world. That just get up and talk. They're they're yep. it's it's it it kind of bridges all the gaps, especially for those of us that that might. When I first came, I didn't know what the Center for Food Safety was. When I interviewed three years ago plus, Mike Doyle was one of the people that I sat individually with and interviewed. I was just horribly um, felt like a horrible, under deserving person because I'm sitting with Mike Doyle because even I knew who he was, and when I researched him before coming it was incredible but he was the most one of the most genuine just sit around visit kickback kind of persons there was so that that's what i want people to understand as we move forward in griffin and beyond is that that y'all aren't y'all are just normal maybe we're all abnormal but maybe everybody's uh-huh. abnormal i don't know but certainly the the and just like hearing the stories and and the hobbies and things which we haven't got to your hobby yet if you if you have a hobby to talk about but yes, and then yes. we're going to introduce our secret guest too yep. here in a minute so go let's talk Do, are there any hobbies you want to share with us or? i'm not a producer of food i'm a consumer <laughs> <laughs> you know you need to take this comedy routine on the road because you're good uh-huh. so so, so you know, any any kind of food that I've come across, and the U.S. has some of the best food in the world. So I just put curry to it, and I Indianize it. Oh, there you <laughs> go! I love it. So I'm a reverse yes. colonizer. So, <laughs> but this is great because uh-huh. uh, SCOBY, which is it's also called a, it's uh, the acronym I think stands for Symbiotic Culture of mm-hmm. Bacteria and Yeast. Okay. S C O B Y. It's the new meatless burger, right? It is. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, so. The jellyfish from your kombucha. You, seriously? Seriously. Oh, my gosh. Right, okay. right. So, so, so the scoby that he would produce uh, is is very nutritious because it has bacteria and yeast, which is all protein. Sure. And, you know, if you're a vegetarian or something, you could make a jerky out of it. There, there are many things that you could make out of it, and it has a pretty good texture to it. And, you know, with a place that has that does innovation like this, that would be the place to bring your food, to bring your ideas, and work with researchers here because we'll work from big companies to you know some someone who just has an idea and sure. we'll be happy to work. And then just add curry to it and it makes yes, it better. I, I love curry, yeah, so yeah. I agree. Absolutely. With you. I think yes. That's great. So we should go out one day and all get Indian food. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. but you can probably handle more than I can. I love spicy things, and certainly um, I, they they still like me. I don't, but but the older I get, the less. Really, really spicy. I probably eat, but, but I love Indian food yeah. because it's it is for it, me. It's the opposite. Seriously, yeah. so you like more. The older more, more. I get, the more spicier I want it. Well, there you go. Yeah. That, uh-huh. That's a good way to be. The older uh-huh. you get, the more yeah. spicy you get. But okay, I want, we're going to go to break here in just a second. But I do want to introduce our secret guest, or actually, I want you to introduce Hank, our secret guest, because there's some little connection that y'all might have. She, she has the last name, my last name. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's Macklin Dembacher. 
She also works at the Center for Food Safety. Absolutely. And Dr. Megan, Diaz welcome. Slept. Thank you. Yeah. And t- tell us real quick, Megan, and, and we'll come back and we'll talk more, but what, kind of in a nutshell, which I know is hard to do, but what areas are you looking into in, um, in research? I work for Dr. Francisco Diaz. Okay, who is the director of the Center for Food Safety. Yes, he is. And I'm right now working on a nuts and seeds project. Oh, cool. Let's go. What kind of nuts? Can you tell us? A macadamia nuts. Pecans. Ooh, do you get to eat some of the? Oh no no. no! oh no no no! I love macadamia. What what she does with them? You don't want. To <laughs> okay, yeah, we don't want to talk about that. No. Okay, well, cool. We're gonna take a, a break, come back, kind of do some finish up. We'll talk to Megan more and the rest of y'all, and we'll do some kind of wrap up stuff. So, Tony. In University of Georgia Griffin campus announcements, the Dundee Cafe will hold an open house Friday, October 26th from 3 until 5 p.m. The historic Mule Barn was built in 1913 and formally dedicated back on October 4th. A vendor is in the process of being secured as the campus is diligently working to make that happen, and when it does, a time and date will be announced for the cafe's grand opening. In the meantime, plan a trip to the UGA Griffin campus to take a first-hand look at this renovated piece of Georgia history. The architecture is worth the trip alone, but once inside, you will enjoy seeing the many photos and artifacts on display, both from the Georgia Experiment Station and Dundee Mills. The renovation project was fully funded by the Dundee Community Association. Applications are being accepted for the 2019 Young Scholars Program. Applicants must have completed their sophomore years of high school and be 16 years old by June 4th of 2019. This is a paid six-week summer internship program for all students, particularly those interested in agriculture, food, and environmental sciences. For further information, you can call 770-228-7392. The deadline for applications is January 31st. Something's cooking on campus. UGA's Continuing Education is partnering with Firth United Methodist Church and Miss Trudy Gill to present a fun, hands-on cooking experience in the upcoming program, Cooking with Trudy, which will be held Tuesdays from 6 to 9 p.m. For registration and more information, please contact the UGA Continuing Education Department at 770-229-3477. An information session on math education and special education will be held on campus on October the 30th from 5.30 to 6.30 at the Student Learning Center on the UGA Griffin campus. And an information session on consumer economics with financial planning emphasis will be held on November the 1st, also from 5.30 until 6.30 at the Student Learning Center. You can visit the Griffin campus Facebook page at 770-412-4400. And UGA Business Day Conference will be taking place on Friday, November the 2nd, beginning at 8.30 a.m. at the Stuckey Auditorium on the UGA campus. The conference is free and open to anyone interested in business trends, small business development, social media, diversity trends, problem solving, and much more. The event is supported by the Office of Institutional Diversity's New Approaches for Promoting Diversity and Inclusion. Register through the UGA Griffin Campus Facebook page at UGA Griffin Campus or call 770-412-4400. We welcome you back to the University of Georgia. 
Campus News on this Thursday morning. Now let's return the proceedings to our host with Dot the I's across the T's on the program. Here is Dr. Lou Honeycutt. Thank you, Tony. I'm telling you, we have had fun today, and that, that's that's part of the deal. We were talking in the break, and, you know, everybody has time to be stressed, and it, it's a big part of all of our lives. But when you can just kind of kick back and have some fun, uh, it's a good thing. So we are here today with some Center for Food Safety people. <clears throat> Excuse me, Dr. Hank Denbacher, who's an assistant professor in the, in the center. Um, Dr. Govan Kumar, who is also an assistant professor. And our secret guest, who is Megan, who also has the same name as Hank. And uh, a car that we need to hear about. And a car that we need to hear about. So we're going to shift straight to Megan. I need to hear about shift this car. car good that, wasn't that a good segue? That's I thought nice. that, was, oh, that was good. Um, so in 1983, my parents decided that they we're going to buy a Porsche. <gasps> this would be their third Porsche, but they wanted a brand new one. So they, um, we went to Germany, and they ordered wow. the car. Right from the, the horse's mouth, oh, so yeah, to speak. Oh, yeah, Stuttgart wow. Everything. They customized it. Everything. It arrived in June 1983. Oh, my gosh. And currently, it has about 50,000 miles on it. That's all? That's all. Oh, my gosh. And I have it now. Ooh. Uh, Yes, because my sister decided that learning how to drive stick, she didn't need to. So, <laughs> <laughs> what color? You got to tell me. It's color. red. Oh well, I know what's it's red. red. I know it's 911 red. It's a red 911 SC. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. That, so, go and thank you for having us. Yep. That. That's well, I walked in, I saw a Porsche, and I was like, "Someone's got style here." <laughs> <laughs> no, you're like, "Hey, they must pay really, really well." <laughs> yes. That's awesome. No, that's cool. In '83, which yes. were you even born in '83? Yes. I was going to say, well, I was two years out of high school, but um, that, I, a lot of people, well, that, it's, that's a classic Porsche. That's awesome. Yes, it is. It cool. has the classic um, oh. headlights. and. Well, that's awesome. See, so that's another good good thing to know. Another about reason the, to visit. Another yeah. reason to visit. That's right. You can <laughs> see a classic Porsche. Well, cool. Well, let, we've got about four or five minutes yet. Let's just kind of finish up. Um, and, Govan, I'll start with you. Just anything else you want to talk about Center Food Safety or future research or what, any interactions? What, just You just talk about whatever oh, yeah. you want to do. Absolutely. I have a project right now going on with the Arizona Iceberg Research Lettuce Council. Okay. So, Iceberg Lettuce Research Council. Sorry. I didn't write you, Yeah. So, <laughs> and we, so we're looking at how we could, we could basically cool produce that's picked off the field without letting microbes go in. So, uh, so I have a project started and it's very exciting and, you know, working with all these great researchers around here developing antimicrobials. So any, anytime anybody has a question with antimicrobials, please look at our website. There, there's a bunch of experts. And, you know, apart from working with industry, we'd love to hear from people around. Sure. It's a great place to work in. Yeah. And I want to also thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. My dad always told me how to face for radio, so I'm <laughs> super happy to <laughs> be here. that coming over. I, I, you and I are going to get along great. Because right? <laughs> people tell me that a lot about me, so that, that's good. So, no, it's it's been great having you here. And, and, and also welcome to the University of Georgia Griffin Thank campus. you very so much. It's great to be here. glad to have you here. Hank. Yep. Finish up. What are, what, are you, Finish what, are you up. what are you working on now? What are you planning on working on? What I'm working on now is basically big data. How can we get big data and study big data with small machines? Okay. So miniaturizing. Like I here at Griffin have like a big server that I can use to crunch data. But how can we make things that like the tricorder in I, Star Trek. I was just fixing to say like exactly. Star Trek. We That's what like. we want to go for. We want to be in the field and point our, our iPhone at like a surface and but it's there. coming, isn't it? I mean, that that's what's cool to me about that's, the age we live in. Yes. We already have the, the communicators, their cell phones that they uh -huh. had in Star Trek. Exactly. I need. I want the transporter. 
Because if I could oh, transport yes. to Athens oh, instead yes. of driving, it'd be uh-huh. a whole lot easier oh, yeah. to go to meetings. Wouldn't that but, be great? But it is cool that, that yes. the tricorder type thing will be eventually here. Mm-hmm. I mean, and a lot yes. of it's because of work you are doing now. Yep. So absolutely. So a lot of work that that goes into that is is just making things more efficient, miniaturizing. Maybe they'll it's call it instead of a tricorder, it'll be the Denbacher. <laughs> That would be cool. Yep. The Bucker Recorder. Something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be cool if it lived forever. But uh-huh. So, uh, future plan, I mean, hopefully the future plan is to stay in Griffin for a very long, at uh-huh. least until I retire. Okay. Yes. <laughs> After that's forever. Uh-huh. That's a long yeah. time for me. Oh, yes. So. But what, anything coming on the horizon for Center for Food Safety that that, that people might be interested in? Other than, you know, we, I will tell people this, you know, it, uh-huh. it's a building. It is There's there's biosafety labs inside that building. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's anything other than I oh, can't no. even walk in and I shouldn't uh-huh. walk in. I mean, uh-huh. so people ask me all the time, well, yeah, but you got that building that has all that secret space. It isn't secret. It's, it's secret, to protect yeah. the researchers, uh-huh. protect the public, protect everybody. Because y'all are looking and some of the research is looking at how to solve big issues. Issues with some pretty bad kind of things, yep. so we don't want them running around the the rest of the campus. So, Absolutely, yeah. but it's not. But again, it is not secret. I mean, that's yep. a it, it's that's a big misconception that I mean, we're we're state supported university. I mean, mm-hmm. pretty much if anybody leads non secret lives, state people that work for the state university oh, system absolutely. are it. So I think if nothing else, we, we get that point across. Well, I tell you what, I appreciate so much y'all being here. The humor is, is incredible. I mean, you know, I don't think y'all are stuffy old researchers anymore, but I never did. But, but I think I don't think anybody listening will. But thank y'all so much, Megan. Thank you for being our secret secret guest today. Um, and I guess Tony, that'll do it for today. And you and I'll be back next week to just talk amongst ourselves, won't we? That's what I'm told. We're going to be celebrating Dr. Honeycutt's third anniversary as the assistant uh, provost and campus director at the UGA Griffin campus. So I'm sure I'm on the hook to come up with some interesting questions. And you better bring the humor because it's going to be hard to top today. But you can join us for that right here on the WKU family of stations next Thursday morning at 9 a.m. when we bring you University of Georgia Griffin campus news.